Welcome to the first of two editions this week of the Owls AmeriCast, Sheffield Wednesday, Opinion with an American Accent. Yes, it will be a double dose because, once again, we forgot there was a midweek game, so we never previewed West Bromwich Albion. But this works out best, so we can do a short episode wrapping up Leeds and previewing West Brom today. We'll be back later in the week for a West Brom review and a preview of the upcoming week's clashes. I again am your host, Jeffrey Paternostro, and in the most uh, boogie moment of my life, I am drinking strawberry rhubarb soda from Trader Joe's. I've been trying to drink less during the week, and since we're doing two podcasts, I figured maybe Monday night we would uh, be a bit more of a teetotaler. We have our usual foursome on the line. We'll kick it back over to Ohio. Back on the show this week is Evan Skilleter. Evan, what are you drinking? I've got an Elysian Fields, or sorry, an Elysian Brewing Company Space Dust IPA. It's got a nice photo, or not photo, but drawing a, of a hop with a face blowing stardust out of its mouth. The, the hop looks similar to one of the children of the forest from beyond the wall at Westeros. Um, says the hopping is pure Starglow energy with Chinook to bitter and late and dry additions of Citra and Amarillo. So it's a beautiful, a lot of hops. Beautiful brew from Seattle. Also on the line is Patty Jones. Patty, what are you drinking? I definitely don't. I um, uh, I've gone back to my New Jersey beer from Carton Brewing in uh, in honor of Adam Reach's wonder goal. Sit down, son. Back on the table. <laughs> And we round out our fearsome foursome with James Allen. James, what are you drinking? Uh, I'm I'm drinking a throwback beer. It's October. How, it where is. did that come from? Um, so, in honor of the fact that it's October, but it's still chuffing warm out and ridiculously humid in New York City, uh, I'm drinking a Rockaway uh, Beer Company Da Beach Summer Ale, um, which says when the tide is high at Rockaway Beach and there's a nice salt breeze, nothing beats a tasty brew. Um, which we can all attest to. And this one's a tribute to the beach that's never far out of reach. So there you go. A hopped-up oh session all you can enjoy long after the sunset. <sighs> all in honor of Adam Reach. So this episode of the Owls America, we will review the Leeds game. Draw with top of the table Yorkshire rivals. Deserves its own pod, because despite a, a 1-1 draw with not a ton of Goal mouth action. It was a very, uh, very interesting game from an uh, analytical viewpoint. We'll also take a uh, look inside the football factory at New York in New York City for the Yorkshire Derby with our man on the ground, James Allen. You, uh, you want to strap in for that one and probably put the kiddies <laughs> to bed before he starts uh, <laughs> talking about it. And then since we neglected to do so last week, we'll preview their game Wednesday away at West Brom, which we will be reviewing later in the week in our second podcast. So I think all in all, ideally, this will add up to a whole hour and 10 minute weekly show just in two parts, but we'll see how that actually goes. But let's talk about the Leeds game first. Stuck with the... I guess it's a 5-3-2. It kind of varies. Three-center-back formation, we'll call it. Uh, Thornley back into the squad for Padil. Fessy directly back into the squad for Matthias. Apparently, P- Matthias and Padil both carrying Knox and were 
dropped fully from the squad. And Fessy, as he does, gets involved right away, James. Was it a penalty? Uh, well, I've got to confess, there was, a, there was a slight aberration in my viewing here on the basis that I was still in the office when, uh, when Fessy went straight up, uh, up the, uh, the, uh, the weapons lane end and, uh, your office, and, and almost won us a penalty. But I've seen the replays back, and, and yeah, I've seen those given. Um, I mean, it looks like he gets a fair old shove in the back. So, um, he, yeah, he didn't waste any time, did he? I mean, as we said last week, he seems to have a, a kind of a way of getting getting on Leeds' nerves and getting the heckles up, and he, he got straight in behind the defence, which was terrific. But, um, you know, the referee didn't exactly cover himself in glory all evening, so I guess that was just the first decision of many that he didn't uh, didn't get right, in my opinion. Do you think it's an mm. issue where his uh, reputation precedes him a bit, Paddy? Definitely. And he doesn't help himself. I mean, he dived like a young Tom Daly. He was unbelievable. That wasn't... <laughs> that was... It was not a penalty. I'm sorry, James. Uh, there was some. Con- I mean, I, I know what you mean. There was definitely some contact there, though. He took a run and jump. He sprung, <laughs> he sprung his knees. He jumped into the air and arched. It was crazy. It was like a salmon in the Salmon River in upstate New he York. He made a bit of, yeah. of a meal of it. As the, uh... <laughs> yeah, hang on a minute. I just want to pull you up for a second. What do you mean a young Tom Daly? Did the old Tom Daly still dives? I mean, you know, he's pretty good on a springboard. I'm talking about 13-year-old, lithe Tom Daly. Whoa, whoa, whoa. whoa. <laughs> <laughs> Let's I move can't. along here. <laughs> We get back to Fernando Forestieri and whether I'm, was I'm not even going to ask who Tom Daly is. We'll just keep moving on. He's the, he's the Olympic diver. I mean, I figured that out from context, Evan. Thank you. <laughs> he's got amazing abs now that he's like a you know 18 plus year old adult. Anyway, Fessy. Um, no, you're right, Paddy. It probably wasn't a penalty. I've just said that I've seen them given. That's that's a slightly different uh, analysis than to say it was a stonewall penalty. I can't believe we was robbed, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Just you know, it's just good to kind of see him get, getting in um, and causing these problems. And you know, for the first twenty minutes or so, we we seemed to kind of have the measure of them, which was great. He doesn't have to get the old ticker beat, doesn't he, Fessy? Though I mean. I said last week that Matias should keep his spot, but as soon as that name appeared on the on the starting sheet, everyone's heart went all flutter. Went, ooh, Fessy's back straight away, straight in the first eleven, and he just didn't stop. Really, I didn't think the entire. He was the one shining light for me out there in that ninety minutes. I thought he um, he caused a lot of trouble. He uh, held the ball well. He tried to give it past a little more than usual. <laughs> what we've seen him in the first part of the season, I think he tried all he could to get into that game until the second half, which all went to shit. Well, in the first half, Evan, what do you think was the the key to Wednesday, sort of, I mean, outside of some issues at the back here and there, what do you think was the key for Wednesday, sort of going toe-to-toe with the, at the time, top-of-the-table leaders? Yeah, I mean, there, there did seem to be some disorganization, but I think I think the key was was how we kind of packed the box with those three uh, center backs. You know, on the, the first Leeds chance... They played that long diagonal to the right, and, and the threat didn't really come from the middle, but by, uh, Barry, I think, Barry Douglas streaking on the back post. Uh, it was a good save by Dawson. But, um, you know, the other near goal was uh, was that from Thornley when he almost kicked it in himself, uh, try, trying to clear it. Baker. You know, was it Baker? Okay. Yeah, yeah it was uh, we Sam were... Hutchinson-esque. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but still covering, still covering the middle uh, pretty well. I mean, it wasn't like anyone was unmarked. It was just... An unfortunate touch that, that almost went in, and then on that chance from the corner, the initial header that hit the back post came wide right, and uh, I think Thornley and Lee's were plugging the middle there. And then, ironically, it was Fletcher that uh, put the pressure on the follow-up on the back post, uh, which most of our defenders generally just turn and watch the ball in those situations. But uh, Fletcher's hustle kind of kept that out of the goal, <laughs> and actually, 
if you watch that back while the initial header rolled toward the goal from Douglas, uh, Douglas just kind of stood there at the back post after the header all alone while Thornley just stood there and watched the ball roll. And so if uh, that Rob, I think it was Roberts who, if he could have been a step quicker and sent that back across, Douglas was all alone at the back post for like 10 seconds straight. Um, but it's yeah, it's interesting, isn't it, Evan? That you know, in response to a question about how did Wednesday manage to uh, set up the leads, all, all we can really remember is just how harrowing the uh, the second twenty minutes <laughs> of the first half were, right? Yeah, you're, you're describing that like half hour period where they they basically should have scored about four goals, um, right? But but it, it, it was kind of seared on the memory. But actually, the first twenty minutes, we we weren't all that bad. Yeah, and and like I said, I, I think it, it had to do with with us playing back and absorbing some of that pressure and, and um, just kind of eliminating space in the box for, for leads to really get much going. I think you mentioned the word hustle there, Evan, though, and, and Ev- I think that's what we did really well for the first 20 minutes. We hustled them quite well. It's, a, the, it's the 70 minutes after that where we just didn't do that anymore. They did not when... look comfortable when they were getting pressed early in the game. They didn't, and that's what we should have done for the entire game, but we didn't. So we just took us foot of the gas, and then they just run us ragged for 70 minutes, and it was awful. I think the first 20 minutes, I didn't even recognize we were playing that well, because I was so kind of seething with anger that there were 70 Leeds fans in my vicinity, <laughs> all just like shouting and being larry. So I didn't even notice us playing one of the first 20 we're, minutes. We're, we're going to get to that. We're going to end it there. It's just seething out of me. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm going to try and draw this positive out of us, though, which is that you know, we all knew that Leeds were going to be a threat, right? They were going to come in playing high-tempo football, and it and it seemed like we got the measure of them. And and then to your point about the seventy minutes, it's like we forgot that we got the measure of them. Um, we were very and, like <laughs> and immediately neat lost and, said measure. We were neat and tidy in midfield, I think, for the first half hour or so. But that makes such a difference, right? If we play ten yards further at the pitch, if we play a pressing game in midfield, if we stretch the opposition, Wednesday look pretty good and we can compete against quite a lot of sides as soon as we step off as soon as we try and play a defensive containing game and this is exactly the point you were making Evan you know we just we kind of invite an onslaught from fairly average oppositions let alone a team in Leeds that seem to have really kind of got themselves together in terms of of possession and quick incisive play and it it just it creates all sorts of problems for us and as the first half wore on, we set up what then became literally a backs against the wall job in the second half, whereby we were trying to play the ball out from the back, but so languidly um, that we just we simply weren't getting really out of our own third before Leeds were winning the ball back and then putting us back under the cosh again, right? Well, I agree with that. I think when you say we play the ball out of the back, all it was was playing a ball forward, getting one header, and then it falling right to, to Leeds' feet. I mean, it was... Playing, playing from the back, and we've talked about this week after week after week. It's just not really producing chances for us. Um, I just, I don't know if we, if it's because we don't have guys that can win balls uh, and, and win us possession, or if it's a lack of hustle up top. But I, I, I don't think it's a lack of hustle up top because we have guys that that run around. It's just, uh, yeah, it's it's been frustrating up top. I think I'm gonna because um, last week we kind of like conceded that Pelopesi had a good game. Well, I did. Uh, against Villa, I think uh, in the game against Leeds, he was completely anonymous again. Uh, and he, he got completely overrun. You um, just, we need someone that's going to enforce um, and and pressure at all times. Be that terrier in midfield. And he's, in games like this, where there's a very aggressive, very kind of forward-facing team like Leeds are, you can't cope. He was fine against Villa because Villa were trash. But Leeds were a very good footballing side and very high octane. It was a proper 
Blood and Thunder Yorkshire Derby. So I'm going to hope some of this is down to the fact it's Yorkshire Derby and it was all kind of like hectic and 100 mile an hour and tackles flying in and we were just rattled in time into minutes. I'm hoping it's a one-off. You see, because see Paddy, that's, that's not the else. game that I saw, right? Um, I didn't see a Blood and Thunder Yorkshire Derby. I didn't see tackles flying in. What I saw was Wednesday stepping off quite consciously and allowing Leeds space. Um, and I think it gave us a hell of a lot of problems because of the amount of pressure we invited onto ourselves. And we're still in the first half at this point, right? So like, we're not even really got to like the high pressure situation. Um, but it, it didn't it didn't strike me as a team in Wednesday that were trying to take the game to Leeds after those first kind of 20 minutes or so where we played more tempo, played higher up the pitch. We, we seemed quite content to let them have the ball and they ended up having, what, 65%, 70% of the possession over the course of the game. And that seemed very conscious. It, it just was, it wasn't the type of battling game, I, I think, that you would typically expect of a kind of traditional, quote-unquote, Yorkshire derby, right? This was a game for me that really needed... I mean, if Yas isn't going to start Hutchinson or even really put him in the squad, which it seems like he's not inclined to do that needed Onama is just the guy that can break up play and actually like push forward. So this is especially true in the second half and we'll come on to it. Cause I think Joss's substitutions are generally uninspiring. Especially from like a, cause they desperately needed a switch of tactics once Lee's equalized and just started to knock on the door for the last half hour or so. And just never, they never got that outlet. They were never really able to, get any kind of spell of possession, really put leads on the back foot, even for a, uh, you know, counterattack or two. They really only needed one counterattack. They had the one from Penny, I think in like about the 75th minute, and then sort of the last gasp effort from Reach where he should have actually passed it to Penny instead of taking another shot. Although I understand why he did take a shot at that point, because uh, let's talk a little bit about Adam Reach's first goal. Oh, did, did, he, did he score a goal? <laughs> he did, yeah. Ah, that- so, so did he score the goal? Like, as in the goal? We did a very nice season. video presentation for goal this season. It was like a top 10 and voting down to a top three. We're not going to do that this year. We'll just play that over and over and over yeah, again. 10 times. Lighting seats. Yeah. Is, it, yeah, is this going to be like, did you, you guys hear about this, uh, this charity event that went on in the UK this weekend where somebody decided to play Toto's Africa back to back on repeat for five hours? <laughs> Sounds like hell. I know. It's, it's, I have no idea on earth people were persuaded to go and give up their time, let alone their money for charity for that. But is that what you're suggesting we should do with Adam Reach's goal? Because I think well, let's just do it now. We might wait that. till end the season. Just do it now. Five hours of Adam Reach scoring that goal. Uh, we can have the occasional to oh fuck from Leeds fans <laughs> in the crowd. Patty, didn't the National do like an eight-hour art installation when they just played one song over and over again? Live? Yeah, they they played Sorrow for eight hours at the uh, I think it was National or the Met. I can't remember what it was. So yeah, they played that for eight hours live, um, and fingers bled. So, yeah, similar thing. We'll just do like an art installation of Adam Reach's goal on YouTube over and over again for eight hours. Well, hang on a minute. If Adam Reach's goal was a song, what song would it be? <laughs> God. Um, you probably should have asked us this before it started, so we could come reach up with for good the stars. I'm gonna go with the obvious <laughs> reach for the stars. You, you'd, you'd say it was an S Club Seven uh, hit from like 2001, roughly. <laughs> Just because it says reach in the title, that's as much as we're gonna get. Okay, right. We've got we've got no obvious uh, musical similes, but what a chuffing goal, right? I mean, I don't think there's. I mean, and I can't fess in this as well. There is no one else in Wednesday's squad who could get. And I got one, James. It took me a minute. It's actually a whole. It. It's actually a whole album, and it's Pulp's different class. 
Hey. Oh, bravo, bravo. Wait, maybe tweet at us. Tweet us what, what, what is the song that you would accompany Eight Hours of Reach's goal with? <laughs> Look at the king of socials trying to get some uh, Hashtag interaction. Reach forever. <laughs> with a four what, or spelled out? <laughs> Just at Owls America's. Song titles for to complete Reach's goal. This will be so much better than my Twitter has been for the last 72 hours with Leeds fans comparing about hairdos. <laughs> the best part of this, of course, is I don't even think Reach thought it was going anywhere near the net. Nonsense, nonsense. He meant it. Every single little piece of that goal he meant. Just watch, watch the way he just absolutely what is it. You know the way he hits it? He kind of hits it like a, a petulant, um, I was going to say child, but kind of early teenager maybe kind of you know still in primary school elementary school kid who's hitting a 99p flyaway with all of their might in the hope that it'll just get over the fence you know i i, I once just volleyed... absolutely well is it it's incredible <laughs> i once volleyed a b out of the air right completely because i didn't think i did it at all it was it was a, i was very young i was very foolish it's one of the things i regret most in my life but I, there was a b buzzing around there was a fat b and i swung at it like with my foot Thinking, there's no way I'm going to hit a bee. It's a bee, for God's sake. It's going to get out of the way. And it, I just followed it and connected it straight across the street. And it was horrible and disgusting. But that's what I kind of think reached it. You just kind of swung at a bee. Whoa, <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> when you say you volleyed a bee out of the air, do you mean that it hit the ground or did it stay in the air, just transplanted to another part of the street? No, I volleyed it across the road. It was, uh, it was obscene. Well, what happened to it? Well, clearly it lived a long and healthy life. <laughs> we shook hands afterwards. It was a misunderstanding. A little bit like the ball that nestled beautifully in both corners of the goal after it had wallied in off the uh, off the upright on the on the left hand side of the goal. The Leeds goalkeeper looking absolutely nonplussed, as did all the Leeds fans who were uh, who were busy kind of going, "Oh shit!" as it uh, as it went into the bottom corner. Beautiful. It was literally unbelievable, and that's like because no one in the bar believed it went in because we were all looking around, going, "Well, oh, what a terrible shot that was." Then, like, a second later, oh, it just bounced off the post and went in. And we had a second of silence to digest what had just happened. And just jumped up and down like crazy, thinking, that went in, that went in, that went in. It was amazing. Were, were there a bunch of moronic looks to your right with uh, people's chins on the floor just kind of uh, generally unable to process what happened? <laughs> you know, for the first time that, that night, I didn't care about the Leeds fans. <laughs> Should we do some serious analysis for you for a second, Jeff? Um, it is beautiful technique from Adam Reach. If you look at the way he strikes through that ball... And the way he allows the ball to drop just to the perfect height for the volley, judges it. And I, I don't care what you say; I think he meant it. Um, it. That that was sensational. I mean, I but think he meant to take a shot. I don't think he thought technique. it was going to go anywhere near the net necessarily. I mean, you always like, try to get it on frame and whatnot, but it was the end of the yeah. first half. It just, you know, yeah. Sometimes, guys, shooting practice. Yeah, the end of. He's you know, made. He's made stuff like that before, though. I, sure. I, I think that, that he has a little bit more confidence than the average person when he's taking shots from out there. Um, so, yeah, I bet, I bet off his foot when it went as high as it did, he's probably thinking, oh, okay, that's sailing over. But slowly, I think the belief started to creep back into his brain as it started I to fall. I don't think that was his reaction at all to the goal when you see it on video. <laughs> it's like, yeah, oh. you might be right. Was it was volley the previous weekend? Mm. Do you think it was better? I think it was much better. I think it was better because McGinn's just basically, you know, he, he jabbed it off his shin, right? Also, was off his we shin. We agreed yeah. that last week. He also had like five minutes almost to prepare for that ball to come down. Like, Reach had like a second and just reacted to it and bang. And where I was leading up to, his celebration was a whole lot better. Um, I love the slow mo replay of the way he's sort of just like nonchalantly wandering along and then goes, Oh, yeah, I scored. Right, I'm off. 
and jets across the uh, side. And then in a very, very nice moment, the uh, just kind of the way he honoured uh, the Clinton's family um, with uh, with the shirt that he held up. I thought that was the, just the whole thing was uh, was beautiful. Can we just talk about that for the rest of the podcast and not talk about the second half? We do have to talk about the second half, Patty. And uh, this, for me, felt a little bit like some of those late-era Carlos games where Wednesday are nursing a 1-0 lead for, like, 45 minutes, and you know there's no way they're going to actually keep a clean sheet. And sure enough, less than uh, 10 minutes into the second half, Klitsch gets about 45 minutes on the ball to... Pick out the top corner, and away we go. And it was indicative of what was to come, because that, that's what we were for the entire second half. We just sat back, we were too deep, we didn't pressure them, and thankfully didn't have a few more pot shots that went in like Cleach. Or Cleach, Cleach, or Cleach, how do you pronounce his surname? I think I they know. said Cleach. <laughs> it's got to be Cleach. You have to be awfully careful with that one. Yeah. Uh, you know, you said we sat too deep, and obviously on that goal it did bite us in the butt, but it's such it's such a weird from an analytical standpoint it's weird because we we do that often and still we haven't been blown out of any games yet you know we've only given up well we gave up three on opening day but since then only two and it just it it, it, two at the most excuse me and i'm i'm starting to wonder with with that sample size uh, is there somehow a method to this madness like it, it clearly is, is scary, and the other team seems to produce a lot of chances, but somehow it just keeps working and keeps working and keeps working. I mean, it keeps working to the tune of, like, 1.5 points per game. But I, yet, you'd really like to see, like, is put to not the... A bad hole, right? It's not, but you just want to see them actually, like, put a... I know they're in a tough segment of the schedule right now, but you'd like to see them put a decent team to the sword a little bit at some point more anything really it's like a full complete 90 minute performance like the villa game was was fine but and they'll win games like that more often than not but it's really if, if they have actual playoff aspirations and we can debate whether they do or not they're going to have to yes win some 2-1, 1-0 games like that where they're sitting deep and protecting leads, but they're going to have to have more comprehensive victories against mid-table and below teams, and I just haven't seen that yet. Yeah, that's fair, and then not, not only comprehensive victories against mid-table and below teams, but maybe string a few comprehensive victories together in a row, but but let, let's back up for a second, because you, what you're saying, Evan, I think is kind of, you know, it's, it's the kind of the end result analysis, right, which is that a 1-1 home draw against Leeds, having soaked up the amount of pressure we did in the second half. And the second half was excruciating because we basically let them have the ball, dominate the ball. And apart from that one break where Penny won the ball back and, and had a fizzling shot um, and you know, that last gasp bit from Reach that you mentioned, Jeff, it was all Leeds. And they were playing round us sideways, but back, you know, basically making us look like kids to, uh, to professionals. But all the time we were letting them have the ball. Now, if the analysis is a home 1-1 draw against Leeds at the top of the table is a good result, then then maybe your point about method and madness is right, Evan. You know, by defending stoically, we got a result out of a game that, that we decided that was our best shot at getting a point. Fair enough. I just question this idea that Wednesday should be standing off teams and not taking the game to other teams. And, and I'm not sure that Leeds are quite as good as their fans certainly think they are. 
but I mean, maybe, are they? What, maybe what do you part guys of it, think? Did you think that was a top two team we were playing? I think so. I mean, if they carry on the playing like they did against us, then I think they they can be top two. Um, I don't, and that's what scares me. Uh, people said at the end of the game they felt like a win. Didn't to me it felt like a loss because we got absolutely hammered in that game. Um, and it showed that that's. I know people said the Brentford game we were outclassed and we were. I felt worse through that game because we we actually progressed since the Brentford game quite a lot. And I thought on the Leeds game we kind of reverted back to being shit. And I'm hoping it was a one-off, but I thought that was to me really, really concerning. The last thing I'll say about the 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 pressure or lack of pressure is that, and it's something I've been thinking about since since the match, and then even more so when when the agenda came out, and it was something we we were going to to talk about. You know, we're also just tasked with with protecting some of our youth, right? And so you think about it, and is Thornley or Baker or any of those other young guys, are those guys that you want pressuring these these seasoned veterans and, and potentially getting beaten and then all of a sudden, you know, they're, they're turned around and watching them score a goal? You know, you know at, some, at some point you have to realize, like, the, we might not have the right people in place to to pressure and, and, and win one-on-ones and win challenges. And, and maybe... That's just, you know, absorbing this pressure is better. Like making them come to us is better than us trying to challenge and get beaten. I see what you're saying. I think um, this is going to happen. We've got a youth, and sometimes we have to take a step back. And my, me and myself included, I can I can rate I can have an opinion on the on the performance on Saturday on Friday, sorry. Um, and certainly the youngsters I thought were probably to blame for some of that stuff. But they're young, like you said, they're going to learn stuff. Um, I thought that Dawson, Baker and Thornley could have done better on, on Friday. They've played better, certainly, but they're going to have more of these games where they don't play very well. And that's something we have to learn to live with while we've got these youngsters in this team. Um, what was more concerning for me is the uh, lack of a plan B and a change to the tactics and strategy, uh, say, 60 minutes in when we knew this wasn't working. <laughs> we should have known after like, the first 40 minutes, but luckily we just got a goal to kind of paper over that crack. But by the 56 minutes, Joss needs to start making some changes to that team because it wasn't working. We were getting it completely overrun and some things need to be made changes. One of those things for me would have been bringing an overrun or just changing uh, um, the formation maybe. But yeah. I think the obvious move was Anoma and Zhao just to give them more of an outlet and somebody that can actually get the ball at their feet and drive back through that sort of Leeds press and get some relief, you know, get it out to the wing backs you know maybe even create a chance like as we said the only two chances were sort of a little bobbling ball to reach and something that basically matt penny created out of thin air and you can't really i was like it for an entire 45 minutes and it's just not i kind of think that was the point jeff which is that we 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 found the answer in the first five ten minutes right which was that if we took the game to leads if we press their defense look this is a team that finished mid-table last year it's basically the same players right Bielsa's got them playing some really scintillating football and the speed of turnover of the ball, the tempo they play at is hard to live with. But that leaves spaces and it leaves gaps and they're players that aren't technically at the very top end of the championship. It's kind of what I'm getting at about are they really a top two side? But we seem to give them too much respect. Like, you know, this, we were allowing them to move the ball. We weren't countering them in the centre of midfield. Paddy, to your early point about Pelopessi, and we weren't, we weren't changing up the tactics in order to, to overcome that. We were just 
resolute in the fact that we would be able to withstand the pressure and, and hold out. And fair enough if you're going to try and get a draw. But I, I, I tend to agree with the view that we didn't try to unlock them in a way that, that might have changed the game. And I've got to say, you know, for all their possession and all of the chances they created, they didn't really look like finishing many of them. So, you know, I'm not sure they are a top two side, to be honest. I mean, maybe if they sign a, you know, really clinical finisher or Bamford gets fit and kind of turns into the player he was two, three seasons ago, maybe they really do push on for top two. But, you know, for me, we, we allowed ourselves to get dominated for 70 minutes by a team that's maybe middle of the pack for the playoffs at the moment. There is also a uh, situation where Wednesday got overrun at the football factory, James. Is it that time, Jeff? Do you it is to, that uh, time. We've wrapped up the Leeds game, and now we will get to the uh, the extracurriculars. Well, first of all, let me remind you of a comment that was made by one uh, Patrick Jones of uh, of Secaucus, uh, last week when he, uh, in previewing the Leeds United match, he said, you know, one of the great bright spots, and I'm paraphrasing here, is that you know we get on well with the uh, the Leeds NYC crowd, and while we have a bit of banter during the game, you know, we're all Yorkshire, aren't we? Um, yeah, that didn't work. Um, so it turns out that they're uh, they're actually possibly the, uh, the the bottom of the barrel when it comes to New York supporters groups. But not content with that, they um, they also decided to uh, bring with them an influx of somewhere between twenty and thirty uh, straight up, fresh off the bow, stag do party uh, Leeds fans who um, who were just basically the most irritating, annoying and and downright objectionable human beings on the planet. And I include uh, a number of people in that category, which I won't go into for political reasons right now, um, and stood them about a yard to our right as we were trying to watch this game. Now, it, let me preface this. We we are happy to have banter with other clubs and we, we have a generally good relationship with a lot of other fan groups in New York. We um, we kind of give it to each other during the game, but we'll laugh and make up afterwards. I mean, I think you've heard on the pod the last couple of weeks where we've had great conversations with some of the fan groups from Forest, from Villa, who you know we can we can have banter with. First of all, Leeds are basically devoid of a sense of humour. Um, it's just all out aggression while the game's going on. All you hear is is just you know this kind of vitriolic rage coming from from one side of the bar. Second of all, they're trying to stir the pot to the point where it's almost acrimonious heading towards violence which i've, I've just never known in uh, in new york before and, and to say that that's stereotypical of leeds fans is probably an understatement but it's certainly something i've never seen travel uh, and it was just it was just downright unpleasant on friday um and then finally um at the point where they do you know get a goal back the arrogance that goes with being a Leeds United fan right now and the demand for praise for their performance which turned out nothing more than a 1-1 draw against Wednesday is just unbelievable and if that wasn't bad enough um, I've spent basically the last three days having to fend off Leeds fans on Twitter uh, all for a, a very minor comment about some haircuts uh, which you might have noticed Leeds have got some very objectionably ridiculous haircuts in their squad um, apparently that is, um, that is tantamount to uh, you know, besmirching the good name of the city of Leeds uh, for pretty much every Leeds fan on Twitter who uh, who just I, I've never known such an objectionable group of fans as I've experienced in the last few days. Uh, everything that stereotypically I want to make light of, um, they managed to prove to be true in reality. So it was a thoroughly unpleasant experience. Did they at least? Uh, I'll keep their shoes on. <laughs> you know what? There was a point in the game when I found myself saying out loud to several people. I think I actually prefer the blades to this lot. Well, only one of them. That's that's what helps quite a lot in New York. 
if you if you clone that number one guy to the, of the blades to seventy other people, then uh, you might get more objections. I thought they had a whole firm now. Have I been uh, misled? I think one of them left. One of them might have died. I can't remember. <laughs> what, 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 was it just me, Paddy, or, or did you did you find that as well? I mean, you've been to more games at the Football Faction than I have, but I've I've never known an atmosphere like it was on Friday. Yeah, they really did um, bring a lot of kind of I don't know. It was probably the first time I felt like it could kick off. Um, if we had some people on our side, which weren't kind of if some people on our side that on holiday or some people that just got two years, it could have kicked off. Um, thankfully, on our side, we we're all kind of mild mannered, kind of very polite people. Um, but their style, it just it's kind of like a pack of animals. Even their chants sound like like uh, wolves mating rather than actual um, people singing songs and stuff. It was like lead, 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 lead. It was just yeah, it was it was a horrible atmosphere. Uh, it was why I felt uneasy throughout the entire experience. Um, and we didn't have a bad turnout. It was like twelve fifteen. It was the end of it, but just they had way too many, and it was all mainly down to a group of tourists that were on holiday. We go from one top-of-the-table clash to another as Wednesday head to the Midlands for West Brom. It's a new preview, James, so what do you have uh, for us from this demoted Premier League side? Well, you see, I mean, this this is where traditionally I, I rip, uh, rip the heart and soul out of a, a small town in England, but... Um... I guess I've I've kind of learnt my lesson now. I shouldn't make fun of places that are actually generally full of well-meaning places. I should just besmirch Leeds for permanence because they're a bunch of arseholes. Um, anyway, West Bromwich is nowhere near, near Leeds, which is a, a I'm sure a boon to anybody who lives there. It's um it's part of the Black Country, to be very clear, not uh, part of Birmingham, the uh, the city of which West Bromwich is actually a part. But people in the Black Country. Um, which uh, I would try and persuade you of the historical reasons for why that's called what it is. Um, and it has something to do with a large amount of soot, just in case there's any uh, complications of understanding there. Um, are very touchy about being told they come from Birmingham. I know this because my mother is from their parts. Uh, she grew up in Albury, which is just around the corner from West Bromwich. Um, and to be perfectly honest, I can't tell you anything about West Brom because I've never spent any time there. Um, Albury was a a fairly uh, derelict part of post-industrial Britain uh, back in the 1980s when my grandparents were living there. Um, and so we uh, we tried to avoid it as much as possible and uh, haven't really gone back since. Um, so I can't really tell you anything positive about West Brom, apart from the fact that it's quite near Birmingham, which is actually a very good away day. Um, but we'll talk about that a bit more at Christmas when we're hoping to tempt uh, one Evan Skilter of uh, Ohio over to uh, to spend a bit of time in the pubs in Birmingham. Um, West Bromwich Albion, obviously, uh, a story historical club of uh, of good repute. Uh, they've kind of had their ups and downs. Um, some uh, some classic players like Cyril Regis, um, one Carlton Palmer, who, uh, who Sheffield Wednesday signed a, a few decades ago, um, and they've they've had a good time in the Premiership over the last few years. Uh, obviously, kind of finally hit the buffers, came back down um, last season, and seem to be adjusting pretty well to life in the Championship. You know, they've, they've, I think by their own standards and by their own statements, they don't feel they've really hit their stride yet, and yet they're sitting top of the table with twenty points. Um, above the aforementioned Leeds United, uh, not suggesting in any way that Leeds aren't the greatest team ever seen, uh, that Beelzebul isn't literally the uh, the human personification of honey, as one Leeds fan said to me on Twitter today, which is weird. I'm not quite sure what they were trying to get at. Um, but West Brom are going to be a massive test for Wednesday on Wednesday night. Um, they've got Dwight Gale up front, who we we encountered a couple of seasons ago playing for Newcastle. He you know, really kind of ripped the championship to bits. Uh, and I think... Um, I think probably are set fair to to be really part of the promotion shakeup, and and Gale is a cut above 
most strikers in this division. So uh, if we sit off and allow them to play, then we're going to find ourselves in trouble. I will say that, uh, you know, for having watched the Newcastle games last year or two years ago, they seem to have a fairly easy time uh, containing Gale. He doesn't seem to like, uh, you know, physical center backs sort of trying to impose themselves on him. I think that could, you know, players like Hector and, and Pudio could be effective in that role. Obviously, probably can't match him for pace, but he doesn't seem to like contact much. I think that there's a there's a blueprint from past games here to maybe contain Gale a little bit. One problem with that, Jeff, is that you can contain Dwight Gale, but then Jay Rodriguez is right beside him um, scoring goals. And uh, they're just, they're, they're a great team. And I, I spent some time watching, I think, the extended highlights from, I don't know, three or four of the, the last couple matches for West Brom. And, and they, they are, and obviously they're highlights, and, you know, they pick out the good, but um, they're very well organized at the front, and we're going to have to be organized at the back, and that's frightening to think about. Um, they have Kieran Gibbs and, and Jake Livermore, who didn't Livermore play for Hall City uh, when... We played them at Wembley, if I remember correctly. Yeah. Um, a- anyway, yeah, th- those two lead the team in assists. Um, and, and like I said, they're, they're very well organized. They, they pass the ball around really well. They find a lot of space, and they're, they're really tough to deal with up front. We aren't sounding super optimistic, are we, chaps? Um, I mean, I'd feel more optimistic if Barry Bannon wasn't serving a one-game match ban for his fifth yellow card. Yeah, about that. So, um, I mean, pretty much Barry Bannon has, I don't want to say carried our season so far, because that's not fair on, on a lot of players, you know, players who are coming to the fore like Penny and, and who've kind of, you know, started to to turn themselves a bit recently, um, Stephen Fletcher, etc. But Bannon, Bannon has made our team tick this season, and he's the one who's kind of been literally pulling us kicking and screaming out of dodgy situations so how do we replace him i mean who who plays in the barry bannon position for wednesday on wednesday night josh onama yeah i think that's probably a better fit for his skill set um you know he's can be more of a box-to-box midfielder was the scouting report you know is he going to be as sort of precise a distributor as bannon no but i think he'll at least give them some you know, blood and thunder going forward. He's very, he's a little more direct, which I think is probably going to be the route for Wednesday to get anything out of this game. Um, he carries the balls, which is, yeah, he, yeah, does, I think he yeah. carries the balls. So, whereas Barry Bannon will spread it quite a lot of Hollywood balls and they've been pretty good this season, what Josh Hannon will do is break play up and carry the ball 20 yards rather than pass the ball 20 yards. Uh, and I think we missed that against uh, Leeds. If, if we play another quality team like West Brom are, again, we're playing top of the league twice in a row now. Um, then I think it might actually work out for us. Unfortunately, it's uh, balanced suspended and not Pelopesi, otherwise that would be slightly better. Yeah, I actually agree. Um, Onuma, I think, would be is a pretty technical passer as well. And in those highlights that I watch, again, small sample size, but the goals that they've surrendered, it, it's been from from good passing, good build-up play, um, and, and just... Um, I guess not, not necessarily creativity, but um, just, just like I said, good passing. West Brom have actually given up 14 goals, which is the most goals given up in the top 
Well, top 11. So we, we've given up 15 and we're at 12. So in the top 11, they've given up the most goals against in, uh, in the league. So, you know, they, they surrender goals. So if somehow we can contain, contain their offense, then uh, we, we, we might stand a chance. So I'm suddenly kind of casting my mind back to the middle of last season when Bannon was injured for a long while. Who the heck were we playing in the middle? We were playing Pelopessi and... It was Dave Jones and Jacob Butterfield. Oh, good God. Um, well, this can't be worse <laughs> than that. That's why we don't think back to that time, James. We've talked about this. We don't go back to the Butterfield and Jones days. Clearly. Well, I mean, Dave Jones is still technically a Wednesday player, although... Uh, he is. Although, you know what, what's interesting? A bunch of Leeds fans pointed out to me today that Wednesday are the third best team in Sheffield. I'm like, what? Um, you know, you're counting uh, on league positions. So, I mean, I like Sheffield and I like Hallam, but that doesn't really add up. And they're like, oh, no, no, no. Sheffield United and Sheffield United under 23s. I'm like, since when did Wednesday's first team play the Sheffield United under 23s? And then I remember that George Boyd and David Jones did actually play against the <laughs> 23s. Anyway, segue back to West Bromwich Albion. Tough game. Uh, let's just hope that Pelopessi and Onuma are up to it, right? If you put David Jones in there on Wednesday, I'm just walking out. I'm not even going to turn the laptop on. I thought you weren't going to turn up anyway. I'm going to walk out of my office. <laughs> I suppose you could, the bar. you could drop Reach a little deeper into that role too. You could, but then where does... I'd be all right with that. Matthias? I mean, I, I, do we know if Matthias was injured on Friday night or just dropped entirely from the squad? He said he was not 100%. Was he was he stuck into his exceptionally tight jeans? Like you know, so the, the, to get them off in time in the dressing room. The picture they had of Matt Penny on this week's program was also basically painted on jeggings. It's like Joe Wildsmith might be the only person on the team that has like normal fitting jeans. Do we need to go and t- introduce them to 1990s skateboarder jeans? <laughs> no, we know, we know what your thoughts are. I don't think we have to go to, like, fast. Junko level. Just, like, normal, straight, like, even slim fit would be fine. We don't need, like, dad jeans, like, relaxed fit Wranglers. Just normal jeans. I wear relaxed fit Wranglers. I'm not a dad. I'm, I'm a dad and I haven't got any Wranglers. Do I need to buy some? No, no, no. If you live, if you live in a city, no Wranglers. If you live in the Midwest or Connecticut, Wranglers are okay. I usually use like I have like a couple of relaxed fit Levi's that I use for like around the house stuff. This is all thrilling, guys. It is. We're going back to the spot. Mm-hmm. You you wear pants in the house? <laughs> <laughs> Only when he's doing yard work. Yeah, around the house, Evan. You don't do yard work in the house. I said around the house. We don't all have You're fair. That's weird fair. That's fair. sex basements or whatever you have down there. <laughs> They're pants optional zones. We get a song for Adam Reach. This is like the Owls of America's greatest hits. <laughs> we had here here Jeff's, I am. Jeff's yard and, and Ohio sex basements in the same sentence. Well, we've here already... I am trying to, to rebrand the basement. I'm trying to <laughs> set up some big meetups, maybe some screenings for, for some upcoming movies and here is jeff just ruining all the work that i've tried to to uh to do how when you say to... rebrand the basement i mean how are you going to hide that massive sex swing <laughs> I, it's a kid's swing now still still working on that art installation that yeah evans meetups unlike the football factory are kids friendly well as we're uh... Ooh. As we're coming up on 45 minutes of the promised 70 minutes for this week. Patty, where are the meetups for West Rob on Wednesday? 
Um, there will be some people at the Football Factory on Wednesday in New York. There will no be... Wait, am I thinking? Oh, there is a meeting at Orlando, and that is it this week on Wednesday. Uh, New Orleans will be back on Sunday, and New York will hopefully be back on Sunday. Depends if Jeff can do it. <laughs> so this has been episode 40 of the Owls AmeriCast. You can find us on the internet at owlsamericas.com. Email the show at owlsamericas at gmail.com. Find and follow us on Twitter at Owls Americas. Our podcast intro and bumpers are by fellow Wednesdays Reverend and the Makers. The podcast is on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, Podbeam, and probably anywhere else you choose to download podcasts. There's no wrong way to listen to the show. Just do what feels right. And wherever you choose to consume the Owls Americast, we ask that you rate and review the show. That helps more Wednesdayites find our ramblings. And speaking of ramblings, you can leave the show a voicemail on our Days and Mumbled line at one 401 307 1867. International rates do apply, but you can dial it for free using Google Voice. James is on Twitter at Manhattan Owl. James, uh, would you like to get one last parting shot in at Leeds? Yeah, you know what? Here's the thing. I said about, I don't know, probably the moment I was born that Leeds had no bloody identity because they don't really know who they are and they don't know what they're talking about when they try to uh, to claim that they're all that. Well, you know what? They completely proved my point in the last 48 hours because it turns out they've got no sense of humour. It turns out they've got no uh, no ability to banter when I talk about top knots and large ginger beards. And all they've got is, uh, is homophobic rants. So they're uh, they're bloody welcome to Leeds. I'll uh, I'll happily never go back again. They do have strong opinions about haircuts. I don't know if that counts as a brand, but. Evan is on Twitter at Ohio Owl. Evan, what will you be showing in the not sex basement as a video screening this week? This week? Um, I haven't really thought about this week. I'm more looking forward to All Wednesday, aren't we? And Or whatever it's called, All Wednesday. And uh, hopefully I can get enough people to warrant a uh, viewing. But this week, if I'm going to show a movie... Um, boy. You asked me too quick. Jeez. By the way, Evan, did we did we settle on a name for your new basement? I really like the Hoot Suite. Yeah, that's uh, what I've been that's what I've been calling it. And uh, my buddy Tyler, that that comes over for a lot of Wednesday matches, he uh, he calls it that as well. So I think if, any, if anyone can have a better name than the Hoot Suite for Evan's basement, again, um, at Owls America's keep it PG thirteen people. No, no, no innuendos, please. <laughs> At Owls America's, keep it... <laughs> Does that mean no references to Tom Daly? <laughs> um, we've already got Sex Basement covered. It's currently called The Hoot Sweep, which I think is fantastic, and I, I hope you stick to that. If you can find a better name for Evan's Basement, tweet us. Patty's on Twitter, at Patty A. Jones, and at New York Owls. <laughs> Patty. <sighs> Do we have any other hashtags for the listeners this week to tweet at us besides Reach Forever <laughs> and... What's the one for Evan's basement? Um, Hootsuite? I don't know. Hashtag Hootsuite, hashtag Reach Forever, any others? Who's going to use hashtag Hootsuite? (laughs) Hashtag Reach Around. (sighs) You had to make it weird. I'm on Twitter, at Jeff Paternostro. We all hate leads, and we'll see you back here later this week.